Hi, my name is Isabella Johnston, the Intern Whisperer, and today's tip of the week comes from Built In. We want to thank them for coming up with these great lists of 16 types of unconscious bias. We have been focusing on this bias for a little bit of time, and we are halfway through the series, so I hope that you guys are enjoying it. We're going to be talking about something called contrast effect. This is when you compare two or more things that you have come into contact with. It's either simultaneously or it's one after another, and it causes you to exaggerate the performance of one in contrast to another. So let's break this one down. It can be a bit of a mind bender, if you will. It's one of the most common types of bias in the recruiting industry. So when you're reviewing lots of candidates, they're all coming in at you. It can be really easy to compare one application to the next. That is obviously not a good thing to do. And you want to make sure that you are determining which one is better than the other in the appropriate way. Skills-based hiring. An exceptionally good interview with one candidate may make the next one seem terrible. That's still not always a good thing that we want to do is look at that contrast. So to avoid the contrast effect, you want to create a structured applicant review and interview process so that everybody on your team will be able to compare applications and interview answers appropriately, like apples to apples, not just apples to oranges. This also comes into a play when we're looking at performance reviews and rewards for individual employees. So welcome to The Intern Whisper. Our show is all about the future of work and innovation. Um, we are welcoming Pamela McGee. She gives me permission to call her Pam. To the show, Pamela it, Pam is certified as a professional in human resources, with a, which is a PHR degree uh, certification from SHRM. And she also holds an MBA and is a specialized in human resources. She is an influencer. I've already noticed that. I've met her at ATD conferences and other places. Visionary, strategic thinking, human resource, and operations professional. And she has a proven record that she can design, develop, implement, and measure short and long-term goals because strategies, because she oversees so much at Valencia College, which is the recording studio where we are. So Pam, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so excited to have you. I met you, uh, I don't know, it's probably uh, like, a year, a little over a year ago yeah, yeah, at ATD. And so this is really super exciting. Um, as you know, our show is all about education, innovation, and the future of industries and jobs. So I always open the show and I ask the guests to share five words that describe them and why those five. And you and I, before we had talked, said dedicated. So why dedicated? Well, dedicated because I ensure or try to show uh, the very best I can to do the best and be faithful and um, support, mm -hmm. you know, whatever item, person, you know, project that I'm doing and to make sure it gets done completely. Mm, I like that. Uh, focused. Focused. Uh, you have to be focused in order to continue to achieve your goals. So mm -hmm. that's um, part of uh, a lot of why I'm very, very focused. Achieve my goals. And also I want to ensure that those around me are successful. So I have to be focused and intentional in what I'm doing. Family oriented? Huge. Uh, spoil my grandkids. I got six of them like crazy. Wow. Yes. Yeah, six grandkids and just awesome. Uh, family is everything. You know, um, they're my support system when I need it. 
And I'm just happy to be able to um, have them surrounded me. Mm. So how many kids do you have? Then? I have um, two and uh, one uh, stepdaughter. So each gotcha. of the kids got two kids. <laughs> oh, very nice. Yeah. Okay. Loyal. Um, loyal is uh, one of the things I grew up with. It with uh, uh, identified that, you know, being supportive, being there consistent, having someone there uh, that you can count on. Mm -hmm. And that's me. Once I'm we're become friends and, and family uh, is uh, I'm there. You can support, um, depend on my support. So mm -hmm. very loyal. Mm -hmm. And results oriented. I know that's how you even opened though too. And, and well, I think there was some crossover with like dedicated. So I, I find those terms to be supportive of each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So results oriented. Well, you know, the one of the things I identified or I found out um, when I first went into the military is that you had to figure out what you want to get the, uh, to do and then make sure that you accomplish that. So mm -hmm. my goal has always been to um, identify what I need to get done and achieve it. So I have to be results oriented. Mm -hmm. and focused on what I need to get done and want to get done. So which branch of the military did you serve? I was in the Air Force for six years. And wow. actually, that's where I met my husband. And he's retired Air Force. Mm. Oh, that's that's really nice, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What did he do? He uh, telecommunications, the same thing. So we were uh, beginning of the IT age when it mm -hmm. started in the 80s and the early 90s, started getting really, really big. Mm. So you guys were like the power couple. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the power couple, but we were definitely <laughs> um, you know, making our own doing and blessed, you know, to get where we are today. Oh, that's cool. So one of the things that I've noticed, I've had a lot of veterans on my show. I really love veterans. And if I had known that, you would have just gone even higher in my, <laughs> in my mind, you know, because of that. Uh, one of the things I love about uh, having them is they all are very obviously leadership oriented. And they also know how to follow. So leadership and followship, they go hand in hand, right? Correct. But the other thing that I have learned about them is they really gravitate towards HR quite a bit. Do you find that to be a trend also? It, it is. There are a lot. Um, when I look at my colleagues within the HR field, you do see a lot of former military. And a lot of it is the human aspect of it. Right. When you are in the military, you're very. there are some jobs that you're isolated. But for the most part, it's about um, leading others, the human, mm -hmm. you know, being sensitive to showing empathy, you know, having an idea of how to at times lead without influence. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you may not like be that. that Writing that, that down, lead without influence. Lead That's, without influence. Yeah. You know, so you have to be able to um, gauge people and listen. You know, that's that's huge. Mm. I, I am taking that. I like to take notes while I'm interviewing a guest also. And I use those notes to help build out the description because you're a fellow podcaster. I'm just sharing that yeah, as, a, right? <laughs> as a thing that I do because then it helps make that show description uh, very memorable. Okay. Yeah. So when you first went in, what was your career path? When I first went in, and how I was did you get to where you are now? Years old, I didn't have Whoa. a career path. I was delayed enlistment seventeen. Um, I knew I uh, I didn't want to do. My family trend was back then they went into the post office or it was the military. So I decided I'd do the military because I wanted to travel. That was my key. Was I wanted to go travel, 
and um, seek an opportunity. Um, I was fortunate to get in a great career field, telecommunications, which uh, drew me to the IT, um, information technologies, and um, was in for six years doing that. And then once I got out, you know, did a series of odd jobs until I uh, was working for one company and say, hey, would you like to do some payroll? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's it's like, sure. You know, I've never done it before. Never really heard about human resources. I didn't know, you know what it was all about. Back then, they called it personnel. Oh, it, yeah. And gradually over time, um, started taking on different aspects of the uh, personnel from payroll to learning more about benefits. And then once I said, you know what, this is may not be a bad gig. Let me learn a little bit mm-hmm. more. So uh, that's, I gradually got into the field and realized there were so many different components of it that I could do, which is what I liked the variety. It was, I wasn't um, nothing against accounting, but I wasn't doing that same thing all the time, right. no matter what in um, human resources, the, there, yeah. it, it changes every day. Whatever yeah. you could have planned is, it, it probably isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because people are unpredictable. Yes, <laughs> we'd like them to be more predictable. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of aspects, but you know, um, and you become in human resources an unofficial social worker at times. You're a mom. You're a support system. Uh, you just never know. Um, so you have to be that disciplinarian. So th- that's one of the things I really, really enjoy about the role. There's so much variety in it. Oh, yeah, I would agree with it. And you probably, well, then that's where you went from the military into that initial role and you started with payroll. But let's talk about that journey that you've had to get to Valencia. What has that been like? It's been pretty awesome. You know, uh, with my husband being um, retired military before that, we were traveled a lot for, you know, 20 years. And um, during that time, I was able to kind of gradually um, develop in my career from uh, a HR or payroll specialist to doing benefits and then becoming an HR generalist and then deciding to go to school. Um, and uh, that was an opportunity, too, because I had two young children. So I went to school full time during the day and then went to school full time at night. I went to college online while I was working and was able to achieve getting my bachelor's degree in business administration and then my MBA became, I think I got my first uh, HR director role. I was at a country club in Georgia Mm -hmm. and that's where I got my first um, HR director role that provided me the opportunity to um, grow in my, in my career you know, leading the department, understanding um, the importance of strategic planning, um, developing um, different types of programs, you know, for our employees, morale building things, as well as better, you know, compensation, um, salary scales, as well as more uh, improved benefits for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, uh, travel again, because of my husband, different opportunities. Then I got uh, really kind of kicked off my human resources, resources journeys when I joined Home Depot. Um, I was a district human resources manager for Home Depot for eight years. And in that role, um, traveled to various states to support the the company um, during disasters. As you can imagine when you hear yeah. about uh, natural di- hurricanes, 
new floods and so on. Home like, Depot is the kind of the first ones that goes in. Is it kind of like part of FEMA? Is that how Home well, Depot was part really with? part of FEMA? It depending on the area, they just is just just what Home Depot does. They oh. will provide the support, you know, to the community. It's huge, but Home Depot is a community store, big extra <laughs> warehouse or hardware store. So depending on the area, um, we will go in and help and support from building homes, you know, providing the supplies. So a lot of um, community development um, happened, you know, during that time period. And it enhanced my skills in human resources. I did that for eight years and then transitioned and continued in um, retail to Ross, uh, Dress for Less. So I was there for eight years, uh, again, as a human resource manager with them doing a lot of employee relations, assisting employees, leaders with um, any kind of uh, opportunities or concerns that they had within the company. Did that for about eight years. And but and that enhanced my skills even to the next level um, you had. And it was in the middle of COVID, you know, too, I was with Ross. So that transition from um, working in a a district office to working at home solo by myself, um, but having to uh, utilize, you know, teams and everything else to communicate with everyone else. And then also you become a more of a social worker doing, there's a lot of uh, mental health concerns and yeah. issues that popped up during that time frame. So we had to be active listeners. It, it took it to another scale. You know, you always are told you should listen, be quiet, but during that time period is one where you have to kind of hear the cues that there may be a, you know, possible issues or concerns. You know how I interpret that? This is how I, I explain it is you have to listen to what's behind the words, mm -hmm. to all of the emotion or whatever, the intonation, any of those things. And right. So that's really, I know that's what you're talking about. Yeah. I want to go back to something that you said, because I can see that you've been in multiple industries and and. Giving a shout out to honestly to Home Depot here, because I think that they deserve that because based on what you said, how supportive to have a company, uh, honestly, a giant company that is there to just be community driven and, and help take care of people. Um, I did not know that. So oh, yeah. I appreciate that you shared that. Ross, which is retail industry, I guess Home Depot, I would consider it retail, but different right right you know and then you also are in the military and then you're in education so you've been in like all of these different industries and yeah. I, I have a feeling there's more to it than just these four yeah well yeah those are the last and the last uh you know almost kind of 20 years that I, i've been in um part of it it's ironic now when you look at different um individuals how they move their career so right. right now you don't see a lot of people staying more than two years in a role yeah um but it's a challenge i think um to um job hop because you don't really have an opportunity to enhance your skills hopefully you're moving to another uh position or company to improve you know what you're doing uh provide the new organization with your capabilities, your assets, and then grow and learn from mm -hmm. them. Um, if I have the opportunity to learn something every day and it doesn't matter who it is, then I'm grateful. I'm appreciative. Mm -hmm. It just makes me even a better support system leader, you know, and family member, mm -hmm. you know, so um, I've been fortunate to be able to stay, have some longevity in different roles that have helped me grow in my career.
Yeah, you are. You're very, very fortunate. And I would say that they're very fortunate to have had you too, because um, somewhere along that line is when you chose to get a SHRM certificate. And I'd love for you to explain, just so our listeners know, because not everybody's in HR, uh, what SHRM stands for. I mean, I know, but okay. I want you to do it. And then also um, the whole testing process, how rigorous it is. I don't think people know it. And many times when I talk with students that want a career in HR, I said, no, you don't need to get a master's. You need to go and take the SHRM certification. That's As a matter of fact, you don't even have to go to school. <laughs> you just need to go take that SHRM certification because yeah. that is the thing that gets you in the door. Right. It does. It helps you. So the certification, it's a SHRM stands for Society of Human Resource Management. Our national um, headquarters is in uh, Virginia. And um, what's so uh, awesome about this opportunity, because I didn't know it either when I first decided to go in, I had no idea there was a huge, what a huge industry it was. Mm -hmm. um, but what it does, taking the certification and a training provides you an opportunity to be well-rounded as a human resources generalist. So it uh, gives you insight on labor unions. You see that happening mm -hmm. now, the, the strikes and all that um, as a human resource professional from the benefits to talent acquisition um, you touch every aspect of um, an individual's role within the organization as a human resources mm -hmm. professional so the training um, they have a series of uh, you can go online and do training you can attend classes and do training to learn this um, to obtain this certification they have a learning system that has an opportunity um, in this, it's on average, you do need about six months to study so that you have a good understanding. And the other side of this is most uh, companies and organizations um, will bring you on an entry level, but you're not going to rise to the next level until yeah. you get some ex actual experience. So you can, you know, um, graduate and, and go and do the testing, but they are looking for someone to um, have that experience. And primarily because if you have that strategic partner in human resources, they're going to provide you the guidance through those sticky situations. So you mm -hmm. need to know the laws, you know, from, um, the labor laws to uh, what's uh, required in compliance, you know, all of those to support your organization to um, stay straight and narrow and, and not have any issues. So it can take about six months. And there's two types of actually certifications. There's SHRM, which is um, uh, is called SHRM-CP Certified Professional, or there's uh, the SHRM-SCP. Um, which is a SHRM senior um, certified professional. Then you have another organization called um, HRCI. This organization actually was the original um, uh, certification uh, provider for SHRM. SHRM decided in 2014 to separate from them and host their own certification. So that certification is called Professional Human Resource Management, which is PHR. So I'm fortunate to have both of those um, because I've been in the industry so long. So I actually have two certifications, national certifications for human resources. What does HRCI stand for? I get human relations certification. Yeah, but the institute. I? Yeah. Uh, institute. Yeah. Okay, got it. Thanks. Yeah. So that's helpful for um, our listeners, for sure. So you have an option to take either. You can take both or you can. Um, a lot of people now are streamlining towards SHRM certification. And it's um, because it's becoming more well um, 
well known. Um, and it's the certification that's more of a hands-on realistic of what you're doing um, as HR professional in the field now. So uh, either one is great and mm -hmm. uh, they will help support, provide you with the tools to support an organization, which is, you know, what HR is a strategic partner. And if you're a truly dedicated and engaged HR professional, you're behind the scenes mm -hmm. as support um, to ensure that the operations and everything else is running efficiently by giving them the knowledge, skills, and people that they need, staff, you know, to do the, um, the accomplish, you know, the ultimate goal of the company. Gotcha. So how'd you end up at Valencia? Um, it was a, you know, an opportunity. I actually, I saw like anything else um, advertised. And what was so funny about it is I have no background in academics, mm -hmm. um, over 25 years in human resources. And I looked at the job description. I said, you know what? All of that, I could do that. So mm -hmm. let me, you know, let me try it out. And uh, was fortunate to go through the hiring process and um, have a great um, boss that said, you know, I know you don't know academics. I can teach you that. But the HR piece is what I need. Yeah. So fortunate um, to be able to join Valencia. I've uh, been here for about 10 months now. Um, just loving every minute of it. The the people, the students that I'm able to engage mm -hmm. with has been tremendous and, and awesome. Yeah, I understand. And, and I have an interest in this, that there is uh, going to be a SHRM campus, a, a group here for the students. Is Do you know when that's launching? Well, we are in the beginning uh, stages of discussing that. And um, it's called this... Um, it's a SHRM student chapter mm -hmm. um, that we're looking to uh, engage and, and develop here at Valencia. Um, right now, I am actually the president of Greater Orlando SHRM, which is Go SHRM. We're the local uh, Central Florida chapter. We have about 660 members, and we are currently uh, have student chapters at Rollins, Mm -hmm. um, college as well as UCF. Mm -hmm. So we're looking to engage the same participation, um, with Valencia, um, in partnership with their human resource management program that they have. It's a great opportunity to provide students with, um, hands-on experience and possible roles with other HR professionals, networking, uh, provide them with the guidance on the career field, um, that they're looking to participate in for the future. Love that. Well, if you need advisors, count me in. All right. I would love to do it. And I did graduate from Rollins College. I know that they do have one there. Right. I've been a speaker at their local student chapter there, but they've also done one that's combined with UCF and, and honestly, Rollins. Uh, when they were pulling together their, I guess it was their annual conference. Okay. So I've been speakers at all of those events. Yeah. So love it can totally support you. All right. You know, that's I hope fantastic. I that's great. To yeah. Know. Count me in. Um, what is your favorite quote that you live by? Um, it's actually Maya Angelou is if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude and don't complain. Mm, I like that. And so does that show up? Is it something that you've shared with your kids? How do you, you know, it's reinforce simple, that? It's something in just kind of like my my daily um montage on how i handle things uh, from 
go through different situations. It's one of the things too, you see others uh, do a lot of complaining, but they're not doing anything to make a difference. Mm -hmm. No, so easy to complain, but then um, have no solutions or try to find, provide any options. And that's one of the things when I, I join an organization and I have that one-on-one conversation with my direct report. Um, I appreciate you bringing me any opportunity or challenge. I want to know about it, but I also would like you for you to come and bring me two options that we can discuss and how to fix that opportunity. That is so vital. It's instead of having people always complain, what? It, how can we solve the problem? Right. Yeah, I love that. Okay, that should be probably the tagline <laughs> in the SHRM chapter here on the campus too, because people always will, you know, it's easy to complain. It's very easy to complain, but then if you don't really have a solution to help, yeah, you know, um, we know there's, oppor- there's opportunities yeah. in everything, but, you know, you're bringing uh, options to fix that opportunity where someone may not have thought about it because you're in it especially when you're entrenched in something that's not right and you know there's a not better opportunity, you know, tell us, you know, tell me, and then we'll see if it's feasible to try to make the adjustments or and fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, in startup life, and that's where I am, um, many times we see a problem and we go, well, how do we make sure that we do this? And it applies to entrepreneurs. I think that this quote is something that should be instilled in children from when they start school, because I I would encourage people to be more scientists, to be more problem solvers, to be able to see that you don't have to be just passive. You can actually, there are things within your power that you can always do to make something better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And everybody, the challenge at times, I think people listen to so much television and perceptions on what they believe they, what they see and not the fact that they can achieve, you know, anything they want to. So they have to have faith and confidence, self-confidence in themselves and um, that they can achieve any kind of goal, you know, don't use or see social media as the only way on how someone got their success or achieved their goals as the only way to get it done. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very much so. Hardest lesson that you learned that changed your life and hopefully for the better. Yeah. Well, I would say um, slowing down is very simple and listening. I've had the opportunity to work in some fantastic organizations, but trying to do too much, you know, um, at times you can be not as effective and efficient Mm -hmm. because you're doing too much. So it's one of those slow down Mm-hmm. You know, take the time. It's going to get done one way or the other. Yep. You know, and um, also at times it can't be healthy, you know, um, trying to overachieve. You can run yourself out. Yeah. You know, um, and then listening. There was a time that I was on the run or doing so much that I was not really I could hear what you were saying, mm-hmm. but really not taking the time to listen. Mm-hmm. to understand and comprehend. So that's one of the things I try to ensure to do is you know, stop, listen and try to truly comprehend and hear what you're saying. And and also, um, again, like I said, it really came out during COVID because I had to listen. I had to hear, like you said, what. Um, What's being said behind. Right. And the infliction in the voice or, you know, the words that were being said that 
indicated that there may be something else going on. Mm -hmm. So you know, it it's a surreal, you know, um, situation at that time. And especially in the role we were in, in as far as employee relations, there were a lot of, you know, aspects of people with mental health, you know, suicide tendencies. And even though we're not counselors, we have to be able to try to provide the guidance to where to direct them to get the support that they, they may, someone may need. Yeah. That's really a very powerful statement. I'm going to go back to something in the military. And I always wonder about this. So I know you may not be able to tell me, Okay, but um, in the military, I feel like there's always, you know, people listen, but then there's always these times when people may not listen. And I don't know how the training always works because many times, you know, you're following And when I've worked with students as interns with me that have served in the military, I go, I'm asking them to try and solve some problems. And sometimes they'll, they'll do that. But they said, if they've only been in a few years, they feel that, well, we're taught to follow, not necessarily to, to take charge of something. And I go, okay. And I'm trying to figure out like, is that part of a listening thing or is it just learning how to uh, teach people how to follow before they become a leader? I'm not sure. I think it's more, if you think about it, uh, I know for the Air Force, the first thing when you arrive is you arrive in the dead of night. So you have no idea. And that's just the Air Force. That's intentional? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're arriving, I mean, late at night is dark. Um, all you hear is others and it kind of it's it's surreal. The footsteps, the yelling, get in line, and, you know, and all that. It it makes you intentionally be focused yeah. and listen to what's going on. And you are in the very beginning trained to follow. Mm-hmm. But they take when you you get to a point in your military career when you decide, OK, now I want to be a leader. Mm. No, based on. um a lot of it is your leaders, how they've treated you, how they support you when you make the decision you want to stay in and move up is become a leader. Mm. I think it anyone that serves in the military for at least four years, when if they make the decision to to uh, transition out because of the different um, maybe missions and situations they may have been in they are auto, almost automatic leaders in the civilian world. Mm-hmm. And with that, they understand what it takes to step up to get something done. They learn how to organize, how to prioritize what needs to get done first in order to achieve the the end result, the goal. Mm-hmm. No, if they go in as a as an airman at the very beginning and they're telling them, no, at the end of this mission, our goal is to ensure that uh, a lot of it now is supporting different communities. And you know, we have to build this dam, whatever that case may be. They're going to be given the instructions, the guidance on how to do that. Mm-hmm. Once they do that a couple of times, the leader doesn't have to tell them anymore. It's oh. innate. It's in them. Once you do that in different types of roles and um, projects, that's automatic for you. You become that influential leader. Mm -hmm. So you don't have the influence, you don't have the authority, but because of how you manage and handle yourself, you become a leader going forward. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's why a lot of, I believe, organizations like uh, bringing on vets uh, because they have 
that kind of ingrown experience on what it takes to be a leader and to achieve the results necessary. Gotcha. Um, do you think it's possible to multitask? Because I think if we're going to be an active listener, I don't think that we should. And, and I used to say I could multitask and I go, no, I cannot. I'm either going to really sit down and think about what it is I'm writing. And I hear the words, like what you said, mm -hmm. I'll hear the words, Yeah, but I may not always be really actively listening. So if I, I think anybody in HR or that's going to be a leader, you need to really stop. You really need to be able to do it. And even though I'm sitting here and I'm like taking notes while you're doing it, I like I'm that can be on autopilot. So in that instance, I think I can multitask yeah. or I can have a conversation with somebody while I'm cooking. But I don't know. What are your thoughts about multitasking and listening? Well, you know, back in the day, it was like, absolutely, you can do it. You can do, you know, anything. But now what I've found as I've grown in, in leadership, I I can't or I shouldn't multitask mm -hmm. when I have someone in front of me. Mm. When I have someone in front of me that... um we are taking the time to have a conversation about a, a topic, whether it's about development, whether it's about something on the job that we got to get done is to pay attention and focus in on what on that individual um, on what's needed to accomplish that goal in that conversation in order to provide, you know, um, competent and efficient and effective of advice and support depending mm -hmm. on what's going on. So, there are times that you absolutely, I agree, you should not be trying to multitask. Uh, we you, we hear it all the time about the the uh, disengagement by having your cell phone out, looking at your cell phone. And it's amazing now if you go to restaurants and you have you see couples and even I mean, right. table phones, everybody's <laughs> looking at their phones like there's no conversation going on. Yeah. You know, um, anymore. So that's one of the things I try to be intentional about, you know, is to put my phone aside, uh, pay attention to, you know, who was the speaker who is in front of me in order to show that it's respectful too. Right. You know, I hear you, I see you, and I, I want to, I'm totally engaged in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So multitasking has this, is, uh, it definitely has its high points. And I do multitasking at times. I'm one of those, I can't have, um, sitting quiet. So I've either got music going or the TV mm -hmm. or something. If I'm working from home, um, I can do multiple things at one time, but then it's, when you think about doing that, it's not, you're not fully engaged in any of them. That's no. true. You're not fully engaged in any of them. You're doing the kind of auto apply that, yeah. you know, to get it done. But if you want to be intentional, you have to stop and pay attention. Mm -hmm. When you describe the music and the, um, television those are like background it's white like noise. white noise for yeah. me and i can block it out but i've also i practice both i try to make sure that i don't become too dependent on that or reliant on it because then i'll go no i need to know how to work in silence also yeah. to yeah. try and keep that balance man i like i'm vibing off of you like so so yeah. much so let's move into another question here what are you most grateful for I'm most grateful for uh, my family, uh, the support I've had to um, get to where I am. I've been uh, married to my husband for 35 years, and I have wow. had so many uh, opportunities or things I needed to do to get to this point in my career. And he's been there to support me from 
you know, when I decided to go back to school to get mm-hmm. my degree and work full time during a day, work full time at night, he was home taking care of the kids, you know, to support me in um, whatever they needed to do. So I would say family, you know, and now my daughter is doing well, my son as well, you know, um, you know, working and achieving their life goals next. So you know, definitely family. Well, congratulations. 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. That is... I told you I stick with things. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, he's a very lucky man. I'm sure that you feel the same. He's, you know, he's got a really good woman with him. So, and that's a lovely, beautiful testimony to give to your children so that they can see what a committed marriage is. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, it's one that marriage is one of those. You see people jump in and out of it so quickly. Yeah. You know, but it's, when we or I made the decision, you know, um, to take the leap and get married, one I had some prerequisites. You know, I wanted to make sure that this person was a friend and we we could blend together as friends yeah. first. Yeah. You know, and so That's so healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, it makes a difference. Yeah. You, you truly get to know somebody. Yeah. You know, the ins and outs and you know, um, if this is the best person for you. Yeah. 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 I like that. Who in your life has had the biggest impact? I would be living and dead too. I didn't qualify that. Yeah. So you have choices and it can be more. Right. I would say the, um, the person that had the biggest impact on me is my grandfather. Um, he, uh, was a sharecropper in Alabama and every summer I grew up in Connecticut so it's the cold during, you know, in the winter time. But every summer, uh, my mom, um, there wasn't a whole lot of flying back then, would put us on a Greyhound bus mm-hmm. to Alabama. And we would spend the summers there with my grandfather. And um, as a sharecropper, uh, well-respected in his community, but was the hardest worker. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of those that didn't say much, but when he did, everybody stopped and listened. Oh, wow. So um, just a wonderful man, um, supportive when you need it, had a words of wisdom. Um, but that's where I believe my my hard work, you know, ethics came from watching him doing what he needed to do, provide for um, him and my grandmother. Obviously, all the kids, his their children, they had 12 of them were wow. um, long gone, you know, uh, when I came around, but I was able to have the opportunity for him to spend time with my son, you know, before he passed. So, you know, they, it was so cute. I think about them spending time together, mm-hmm. you know, there was an incident where, uh, and down there you have a lot of fire, you know, regular fire pits and, in uh, fireplaces. I went out on the porch and my, my son probably was about two years old, had the, a box of matches and it was just striking matches and oh throwing gosh. it in the fire. I was like, and I, we called him Papa. I said, what are you doing? I said, why you let him do that? He says, when he gets burned, he'll stop. <laughs> so it's just like words of wisdom. Um, and, but, you know, at times I never had a problem with my son in matches or fires or anything like that. But, you know, it just, uh, he was the most uh, influential person for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I took a lot of what he did and his work ethic, you know, and what I do every day. 
I don't think uh, our listeners may know what a sharecropper is. Because yeah. That's a term that's, you know, a historical term. And again, I know, but why don't you go ahead and share what that is? So this is a um, individual is farming yeah. basically. Um, and he had acres of farm and uh, you don't realize until afterwards we, all of our vegetables, everything we ate, we didn't go to the store like you do now, right. Publix, and get tomatoes and cucumbers and any of that. He grew mm-hmm. all of that, as well as uh, he had cows, chickens, and all of that. So, um, you know, they live off the land, mm-hmm. basically. And that's how I grew up. Um, I was, uh, I've uh, plowed fields, mm-hmm. you know, um, with the support of my grandfather to help him uh, picking corn, you know, beans, tomatoes. Uh, it's a surreal and kind of reality check for you on planting the seed, watching it grow mm-hmm. and then seeing the end results. It's on your table. Yeah. 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 And I thought a sharecropper was also somebody that had like a, a shared farm with somebody. Well, too. they and back then they share a farm with whoever is the primary landowner. Primary landowner. Yeah. yeah. And then after, uh, fortunately, after several years, he was able to purchase the land for himself. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they worked the crop for someone else that, you know, is the primary land or owner. And then um, if you're fortunate, you can purchase that from that landlord owner if they're willing to sell it to you. And, and we were fortunate. My grandfather was able to do that after several years, many years. Kind of like lease to buy, mm-hmm. you know, when it was a house. Or I've seen this also when you are doing there's a prime contractor and a subcontractor. Right. So similar principles right. know, where there's a, a shared opportunity to be able to help um, someone grow. And that sounds like what happened for your grandfather, too. He got right. to become yeah, they, full he owner. He works the land. You know, he can't or at the time he can put anything he wanted as far as crops. But then a portion of that went to the owner, uh, the owner of the yeah. farm. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. It turned out, it turned out good. Yeah, it did. It turned yeah, out really well. It turned out really well. Yeah. What in your life would you want to be remembered for? I would want to be remembered for, I would say, my dedication to whatever I'm doing mm-hmm. and um, the fact that I am an achiever. Mm-hmm. You, um, you present an opportunity um, to me and I will find a way to get it done. Yeah. That's beautiful. So we're going to take a moment and acknowledge our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and we will be right back. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. And we're back to the second half of our show. This is where we talk about what is the future 2030 going to look like? Oof. It's anybody's <laughs> opinion. There is no right or wrong answer. Yeah. We're only like five, six years away since we're at the end of this year, right? And so, it's going to fly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to go by really fast. So what do you think it would look like? And you can focus on your industry if you want, flying cars, the Jetsons, whatever. Well, you know, I, I, I mean, it's, again, we know that AI... Yeah. Artificial intelligence is is going to, um, you know, be a major factor in that. I think back to the late 1990s when um, Y2K was such yes. a huge thing. We thought the world was going to end mm-hmm. as soon as the computer turned over to 2000. That was the most, you think, 
climatic, you know, uh, time. Uh, I know for, I didn't think there was going to be anything to happen, but still you kind of waited to see, you yeah. know, the way, uh, all the, the talk, the discussion. And I think, you know, 2020, 2030 and AI, the next step, because nobody knows is the unknown. There's a lot of things, um, going on a lot of, you think about chat GPT, that's one mm-hmm. of the biggest, um, platforms out there now growing um there's issues with it because you'll have people that use it you know uh negatively mm-hmm. you know but there's opportunities where it can help yeah. someone you know so uh, for the human resources side we've got to try to help to find the balance is the reality right. of it you can't say it's not going to happen you know and you can't use it because you can't stop anyone no it's already out yeah you can't stop and it's not going to take it back you know and a lot of um you know, areas, you know, to get it. So I think it's, it's a matter of, we've, we've got to adjust as we go along. It is, it's almost like almost quarterly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not yearly quarterly things are You're changing. Exactly. Right. And you have to adjust, you know, to those changes and just kind of um, learn as you go, be willing to be open-minded, mm-hmm. you know, to the changes that are going to happen. Um, flexibility in a workplace is huge now yeah. because of COVID. So COVID had its good and it's bad. It did provide organizations um, with the opportunity to see that we do have people that can work from home and be effective and efficient and still help us achieve our ultimate goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's even more in the forefront because you cannot hide behind a water cooler walking around half the day. You know, if you're in a physical office and really not get anything done. Right. You have to produce if you're working from home. Mm-hmm. You have to. There's an end product that you have to provide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of um, industries are looking and seeing that that that's a great opportunity for flexibility. You hear about a lot of them going back in, wanting to go back into the office. Um, but you think about what's behind that. There's a reason for everything. And mm-hmm. maybe that particular workforce or industry has to be hands on. On the human resources aspect, the key word is human. You have to be contact, you know. Um, So we have an opportunity here at Valencia, our human resources division, that we are actually remote. We work fully remote, but we do understand the importance of coming into the campus to um, be and meet with employees face to face. And we will do that any day, any time. So, and when they're, where that is that need. So I think that's uh, flexibility in workplace um, also helps to improve the dedication and support you get from your, the employees of your organization. Um, You do have individuals that can do more, even though they're at home with their kids, they can manage that. Mm -hmm. And um, the cost of living is so high. Daycare is so high. Yeah, it is. uh, It helps families honestly, to be able to have that flexibility, to be able to work from home, as long as you do the job that you're required to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, there's pros and cons when you have your kids at home. Yeah, that is, there is, especially at the age, what age right. it is. You know, no, it's, babies it's, to four. It's a challenge because yeah. they're, they want, they still need that attention, you mm-hmm. know, on um, what I think, again, I, I think 
has been positive about COVID and when people had to work from home, you don't see that huge stigma. Oh, oh my God, if my kid shows up on the screen, everybody's going to freak out. Right. It's part of the, the culture now. Yeah. Okay. What is, what is Sammy doing today? You know, yeah. he looks too cute. Hi, Sammy. And we just continue on with the business. It is yeah. what it is. I think when I, before COVID, if that would have happened, it would have been shunned. Like, right. oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, so unprofessional, but yeah. it's part of life now. Yeah. You know? It's more, ex- it's acceptable. A- acceptable. Yeah. yeah. That's what yeah. I was leading with. And I go, yeah, I think it is. It's yeah. like been normalized so that people. It has know. been. Yeah. yeah. But it also has made people comfortable to do their job. Yeah. They're, they're happy, you know, to do whatever it takes. And I believe the flexibility of working from home, people work more. Yeah. They work more than eight hours. They put in more to support the goal of what needs to be done um, with an environment that they're comfortable in. Yeah, because it's more chunked working. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, uh, con- you know, consecutive all in one location. It can be chunked. Yeah. yeah. And, with, and there's nothing wrong with throwing a load of laundry in the, yeah. you know, in a, while you're, you know, on a meeting. Yeah. You know, things you don't have to do, which normally you would have to do, you know, maybe in the evening after you've been in traffic all day. Right. You no, know, because we know I-4 traffic in Orlando is horrendous. Yeah. So you, you, you're you thinking about the time that you've cut being on a road and it helps with the family life. You mm-hmm. can spend the time you need at home, you know, with family and so on. Mm-hmm. We've had multi-generations now living at home. From, you know, parents, grandparents, the children, you know, you've got some uh, homes that got four generations, mm-hmm. you know, and the support is needed um, to be able to have the flexibility. Kind of like the Waltons. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> that TV Good night, show. John Boy. No, they're probably like Waltons. I've never even heard I of know. that. I know. People won't know. We're aging ourselves here. We are. We're definitely showing that <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, some of those shows, people... Well, still no. I guess it depends on who's listening to the show from the yeah generation they're in. So, so as we you mentioned some some things, we've been talking quite a bit about remote work and blended work, and you know things that are on site. I feel like there's real value about having people come in on the to the office because first off, we have these big buildings where we need to be. There's it's important to get to connect with your coworkers. Now, if you're working uh, across the country from people, that isn't always possible, right? You know, when you have um, some people that are distributed in other areas of the country, but it's good to have people come together. Um, I think it's going to be something that we begin to, in HR, focus more on because we need to be able to remember how to be human, (laughs) how to interact (laughs) and not, Yes. Yeah. How to yeah. interact, you know, and that's one in of the person. great things, right, that we do do um, uh, within our division. We are remote, but every six weeks we actually come together, the division, mm-hmm. and we talk about whatever the pertinent topic is. We try to do a team building event um, to continue to not only work on our individual development, but our development as a team mm-hmm. and achieving the goals and having um, no 
the idea and understanding that we're here for a purpose to support the college and how do we do that as a whole in our division. Um, being in human resources for us is all about our employees, the students, the faculty. You know, what are we doing to ensure that we're engaging, we're supporting them? But we also need to make sure that we're supporting each other. Yeah. So the human aspect of it and coming in is truly imp important. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally get it. Um, where do you see robots coming in? Now, I know Valencia has a campus, a manufacturing manufacturing campus. Um, I know they would have robots down there somehow, machinery helping. Do you see that coming into play here on the campus? Oh, absolutely. We actually have um, a robotic uh, program now. Oh, nice. Yes, it's out in um, Osceola. So it's a new, um, innovative, really, I encourage anyone to go online and look it up, but it's, uh, we're ensuring that we're providing opportunities in our courses for our students to lead the future, mm, you know, good. um, that's, it's pertinent. You know, you are not going to have, everybody isn't meant for college to go to standardized college, you know, two or four years, you know, and, and, uh, you know, have a typical office job. You have individuals that do better working with their hands and, um, you know, from welding to forklift driving to robotics, you know, building and having being behind the scenes, you know, on these up and coming industries, you're always going to have uh, manual labor mm -hmm. that's needed, uh, no matter how many somebody's got to build a robot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's the reality of it. Somebody's got to build that ship and know how to, you know, work that 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 app application behind the scenes. So, you know, those the, robotics is the future. It's reality. Um, and there's the key is, though, there's always going to be a human that has to manage that ro that system mm -hmm. that that robot or AI is running on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, Valencia is working to be that person behind the scene and teach our students how to do that. Is that. The one that you mentioned, the robot program, is that also part of the um, the manufacturing plant that's out there in Osceola? That's with NASA, I believe. They yeah, they have a combination of different programs out there. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've taken a tour there. That is really an it impressive is. one. It is. Yeah, yeah, I liked it going out to that campus for sure. So with robots, I know that um, somebody, we had talked about this on some other shows, but there are places in Osceola County, Kissimmee, um, also where there's restaurants that use robots. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Have you been there? Have you no, seen I haven't been um, to any of them, but um, I have seen, actually, you know, I did. I went to a, it was, I believe it was last year and it did more of brought us our ticket. Right. Yeah. Not the food, but it brought us our ticket. Uh, yeah. Uh. So it, it is innovative um, way. The challenge though you hear about, it takes away jobs for, you know, wait staff and so on. But, you know, eventually all of that is going to fall into place. But somebody, again, needs to run the robot. Right. And they'll have the knowledge and understanding to be able to do that. But um, 
you're always going to have the, I, I believe, wait staff and support because that human interaction and engaging the customer is right. always going to be important. Yeah, it definitely would be. Obviously, in the high end hotels and yeah, restaurants, industry. yeah, they'll they'll have humans there. But maybe in the smaller places like um, a McDonald's. Now mm-hmm. there is a McDonald's in Florida that does 100% no staff. And you go in, you place your order, it comes out to you, and it's it's given. Oh. And I went, well, I like the person that says hello to me in the morning. So I I want to make sure. And, you know, that becomes almost everybody's first job where they learn customer service skills. You hope. You hope. Yeah, the, you're right about that one. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, fast food isn't fast anymore sometimes. Mm, yeah. No, it is not. Now, we touched on ethical dilemmas that can come up because of chat GPT. And there's many things. Um, I, I am talking with a couple of my my futurist friends where we go, well, I think we need to start something like an ethics committee. And I know that a Glo- um, World Economic Forum has something now <laughs> where they do that. They talk about um, the ethics of AI. Mm-hmm. And there's also been some with when chat all launched the first of this year of 2023, there was like a pause on many of the things that were happening because they went, well, we need to make sure that we're going to govern this, you know, responsibly. And I, I really like that idea. And so I'm looking to see if we have anything that's local here and we're going to go research that, see what's available. If there is something, how can we support that organization? But if not, we want to become as a group of these futurists, uh, focused on, you know, how do we make sure that ethics of of how we're using AI in the workplace is being um, held responsibly? Because many times, as we well know, whatever generation you're born into, that technology is the thing that that you immediately adhere to. So kids that were born into iPhones and droids, right? It's a different life than when we were born. Right. And big significant events like COVID and 9-11, those things also change our lives too with how we react to things. Um, those moments in time can be something that can be used for good, but it can also be used negatively. And I see that's where this letting AI out of the box, if you will, is one of those big moments in time for us. So I don't know if the school has anything focused on that ethics side of it, but Van, I'd like to start that here at Valencia because I'm talking with Rollins about doing this too. Well, I'm sure it it probably is more on the faculty side because they have to determine, you know, if a paper is actually being written by a student or if they're using Chat. chat, you know, to do that. I've heard some um, different um, uh, articles and, and, and conversations about that, you know, trying to identify whether um, a paper or, or some kind of report has mm-hmm. been truly accomplished by the student versus, you know, um, chat uh, GPT. But um, I, and that's why I say, I believe it's more on the faculty side. They're looking at that ways to, find support or identify, you know, if a student, here's the thing. I don't think a lot of students really think about when you start out your year, you know, um, or with a class, you most times do your own writing. You put your own flair. Yeah. yeah, You know, into the, the paper or the project. So you have, you distinguish, you know, your writing style. Right. When you didn't put in that second or third paper and it's totally different, 
Yeah. I don't think they realize. It doesn't sound like your voice. Yeah, it doesn't sound like your voice. It doesn't, you know, it's not your, um, how you structure your paper the very first or second time. You can see a, uh, the vocabulary is yeah. totally different. You can tell there's a difference. And um, I think that's where a lot of people get caught up. They don't realize that this doesn't sound like you. I don't think you did this. Yeah. 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 And that's where the ethics and, and accountability is is starting to come in. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen uh, something that came out even uh, this week is that their chat uh, students have submitted papers and there's been duplication of it because it's pulling the same information. Mm-hmm. And so when students have turned it in, it's been like, well, <laughs> I have three paper, people that turned in the same kind of paper. So it's not plagiarism in the typical sense right. of a human on a human. It's plagiarism from the sense of like, it's not really your work. Right. You, you pulled a chat. So, oh, that should be a phrase. You pulled a chat. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think that the way I use it is I have anybody that interns with me or, you know, even my own people, I'll say, use chat. I want you to, but use it to create a draft to get you going and then do your research and make sure that you're citing your sources and you're filling in. You can ask chat to even cite sources, but it's not the same as the human interaction. Right. Right. When you think about, you know, um, libraries, how they used Mm -hmm. to be so, um, the source of everything you had to go in physically right. do the search and all of that you don't have that as much but what I like about Valencia there's a library almost every single campus you have to go in and do the hard work you've got to do the research uh, to ensure that you're obtaining um, the correct details and information for whatever paper or project that you got to get done um, if we and it makes you slow down mm-hmm you like know? you said earlier. Yeah, it makes you slow down and ensure that you're factual mm-hmm. in whatever you're doing and you're producing. Mm-hmm. Best mentoring advice that you want to pass on to our listeners? Um, I would say my best mentoring advice is some, uh, is to challenge myself. Challenge myself and don't give up. You know, even though there's an obstacle. If someone told me probably 10 years ago that I would be um, working for a college system and I would be the assistant vice president. I was like, no way, <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, as I uh, continue to achieve the goals I wanted to do over the years and it helped me get to this point, I appreciate that. The mm-hmm. fact that never say never um, and ensure that at least I try, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't know what you can do until you at least try. That is true. Yeah. So how can people reach out to you? I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, and we'll, we'll supply that for them. Any other way? No, no. I'm kind of old school. That's it. LinkedIn, my professional. Um, and um, I'm here at Valencia. Uh, yeah. 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 It's a public state school. So we know your email address <laughs> yeah. is out there, right? It is definitely and out look there. look for Pamela McGee yeah. in HR. They'll find you. Yeah, they definitely will. <laughs> yeah. Probably easier than on LinkedIn, <laughs> I'm going to say. Yeah. Yes. So funny. Well, Pam, it's been so great having you here on the show. I want to thank you for being here. I appreciate the opportunity. I truly enjoyed it. And um, I hope your listeners know, understand how important the human resources field is. Uh, I'm definitely out there to be reached if you want any guidance, support, you know, and want to know more about human resources. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
We want to thank our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank you to our video team, Gabe Laporte, Tommy Myers, Andrew Pagat, and Julissa Hurtado. Music is by Charles Lawrence Lead. Visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusive culture while skilling your people for the future of work. We want to thank you for supporting The Intern Whisperer by subscribing to us on Podbean, wherever you stream your favorite podcast channels, and if you choose Employers for Change YouTube channel, where please leave us comments, share, tag your friends. We love that stuff. And we like to make this show better for you, our listeners. Thank you.